Welcome into another single woman home buying story. Now, Eliza thought she wasn't asking for much. You know, just a realtor that would actually call her back. After four years of being ignored by realtors that were supposed to be educating her and walking her through the first time home buyer process, she changed her mindset to find a realtor that would empower her. Now, here's the end of the story. She went from four years of frustration and no happy ending to finding her right support team and closing in just 10 weeks. Let's hear this story. Well, everybody, I'm very excited to bring you Eliza today. She's very, very nice uh, giving up her time to come and chat with all of you. Uh, we were just chatting a little bit before we got started recording today. So, um, Eliza, I think probably your biggest takeaway is is kind of involved in your story, right? So, so let's just start right there. Tell us from how, how long ago did you start your journey before you found the podcast and then uh, got to the place now that you're a homeowner? Um, so I started in 2018, uh, found the podcast in August of 2022, and everything happened pretty quickly after that. <laughs> okay, so four years of trying, and then in August you found the podcast. When did you when did you close on the home? Um, Mid October. September. <laughs> so four Mid -October. years. Mid October. Okay. Yeah. So it, was, it was four years. And, and then it was 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So <laughs> tell us about the four years. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't have to get nasty. Uh, we understand that, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you can knock yourself out. I'm not going to um, <laughs> tell everybody, you know, what lessons now that you've done it, what lessons did you learn in those four years? Where did you start? Um, so I started looking in 2018 and kind of wasn't getting the time of day from multiple realtors and gave up. Um, I started going back to school and earning another degree and the pandemic happened and really, you know, put the uh, stop to the, the whole thing and then started again last spring in 2022 and was working with a realtor that wasn't just wasn't meshing well with me. I didn't feel, um, I guess throughout the entire four year experience, what I was kind of looking for and what I felt like the experience should be is that it should be empowering. You know, here you are making this big life decision and you're looking for, you know, the, a place where you're going to spend a significant amount of your time. And, you know, the realtor should be helping you to make this empowering decision. And I just didn't feel like I was being helped. And I didn't understand why, you know, and I was trying to do research on my own, so I could understand the whole process and what was happening. But I'm the type of person too. I need someone to like talk at me multiple times and maybe explain something in multiple ways. Like I'm not just going to read an article on Google and absorb something. Um, so like your podcast was just eye opening because I felt like you were saying everything out loud that I was thinking in my head, like, you know, these people don't want to give me the time of day. And, uh, it was, it, I felt like I finally had someone on my side 
And then you put me in contact with my agent who I worked with and she was just amazing. So I really appreciate all of your help with that. That's incredible. Okay. First tell everyone what part of the, of uh, the country are you in? Um, the, like in central Pennsylvania, Okay, in um, Pennsylvania. So I'm in the, the Northeast, yeah. Okay. Got my, yeah. And with, without getting too personal, this is a, a first-timer starter home, right? So we're starter mm-hmm. home price point. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so not a million-dollar mansion in Pennsylvania. No. And, okay. you know, house, uh, house prices are not, like, outrageous here, like, um, where I live close, like outside of the capital city, you know, the, um, house prices aren't outrageous. Like the cost of living here is really low and kind of the selling point about this area is you can easily get to big cities in short amounts of time. Oh, that's great. So the big cities mm-hmm. are probably closer to the national average around 400,000 and where you mm-hmm. are, where, you know, somewhere about half that about half that about 200 that's what i was going to say okay Mm -hmm. cool okay let's go back uh and help get some um uh, i appreciate all the nice things you said about the podcast that's wonderful um but let's let's dive into so where did you find the people that um you didn't necessarily mesh with and then if i wanted to get really you know deep into it say you know just weren't doing the the job the right way um, so I guess something that was, uh, a little complicated about my search was that I was looking in really niche areas, like the city, I, I had two cities in mind. I mean, small cities, not like New yeah. York city, just South, South central Pennsylvania cities. Like I wanted to be like, uh, within walking distance of anything that I needed, you know, just a walkable mm-hmm. kind of place. Um, so you know, not all real estate agents really specialize in that. So I had a friend's husband um, who was an agent and I asked him for help and he was like, well, that's not my market. You know, I'm out in the suburbs. Uh, So he, he uh, recommended me to someone who was big time um, agent in the city at the time. And he passed me on to one of his, you know, someone who was on his team working under him. And that guy just totally ghosted me. Like I, we talked on the phone once and then I reached out a couple of times and he just, you know, I, I didn't realize I'm a first time home buyer. So I'm not really in his market. Like he was looking for, you know, someone that he could make money off of. So I just didn't understand the whole thing. So it was just confusing to me. I was like, Oh, he must not like me. So I reached out uh, to another agent she was just kind of like getting started um, in her business. It was like a mother daughter type deal. And I saw some houses with them, but it, you know, I didn't really feel like I was being helped or informed on anything. And I just, it kind of fizzled off, you know, like it came to the point where I needed to move and get out of the situation I was in. So I, uh, I got another uh, rental that was in the city and then the pandemic happened. So um, (laughs) I I totally just kind of stopped looking until last spring. 
Interesting. Uh, well, you know, I, I tell the story all the time. Um, first time homebuyers, you know, you feel like you walk onto a, a car lot and you're like, you, you know, you, you feel like I, I want a car. And suddenly the, all the salespeople go, well, we only sell Rolls Royces, but that's not what's here. And, you know, they, but they treat you, they only treat you nice if you want to buy their top, top level. Um, it's unfortunate, but okay, let's get to obviously, you know, uh, so it wasn't completely four years cause we had the pandemic break in there, but it was a couple of years of trying to figure this out. So when you got, um, through the podcast and you got to a new realtor, uh, what were some of the things that the, that the unicorn did in communicating with you that the listeners can go, Oh, I should, I should be looking for, for this. Uh, what were some of the things that were different that made you feel more comfortable? Well, yeah, working with the agent that I started working with last spring, it was just irritating. I would reach out to her and tell her I was interested in looking at something and she would just ghost me. And then it would be, you know, it would be uh, pending. Oh. Yeah, so it was like, I, I missed out on things and, um, it just so happened she did that for the second time um, right when you got me in contact with uh, my unicorn, Melanie. Um, yes, and, love Melanie. Yeah, and the, the house actually came back on the market. And I was like, Melanie, hey. we have to go see this house. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, wait, uh, yeah. Is, the that house, the, is that the end yeah. of the story? Did you end up with that one or was that just a no. good story? Okay. <laughs> No. Okay. So the house was, the house was a beautiful piece of property, but the house was like, it needed to be uh, basically torn down and rebuilt and um, just wasn't good for a first time home buyer. That would have been a really hard experience. <laughs> now see what's interesting about, yeah, well, I'm really glad you had a unicorn going with you so that they could right. probably I'm, I'm assuming you and Melanie together. Now, did you go look at it and say, this is fantastic. And she tell you, be careful. Or did you guys both figure it out together? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, boy. Okay. So that's huge. So, so the first thing that was different when you were dealing with someone who cared about a first time home buyer, that the unicorn agent, uh, I, this is going to sound ridiculous, called you back. That was, that was, that was mm -hmm. the big first difference. Wow. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. So yeah. then go, going through the process with uh, Melanie and going and trying to do it, um, were there any surprises or, uh, you know, were there, were there any um, obstacles that, that you didn't think you could overcome that she found a way or stuff that just like you weren't expecting? Tell us, you know, how, how the process went for you once you had that good person? I mean, the process was pretty smooth. I think, you know, what I was looking for was uh, pretty easy and my financial situation was pretty easy. I guess I'm like, I research things ad nauseum and I'm the type of person I won't do something until I'm comfortable with it and am knowledgeable about it. And I feel like I would ask Melanie a question and she was just able to answer it. Like she was able to answer it in detail, like right then and there on the spot. Whereas with the other agent, I felt like I was asking questions and it was like, Oh, don't worry about that. Or we'll get to that when the time comes. And I was just like, I'm never going to feel comfortable making a move until 
like she can answer my questions. So I, it was kind of like a stalemate. I felt like, and I felt like we would just go on like that forever. Like she was comfortable just showing me houses for the rest of her life. <laughs> Not like. <laughs> wow. Well, that, that, that's amazing. And, um, you know, I, I realized that the whole industry has new people helping uh, first-time homebuyers. Um, I don't think it's right. That's why I started the podcast. I think either they, they, it's fine if you're new, but you need to be trained better, you know, and they're, they're just not mm -hmm. trained. So I either want the industry to, to, you know, well, first get rid of all the new people or train them way better. Or you can find an experienced agent until I change the world uh, like you did. And it's just, again, I, if, if this is someone's first time listening to the podcast, they're going to be shocked, you know? Oh, <laughs> you, wait a minute. You're saying that not everyone's going to answer to my question if they have a license. No, it's that, it's that experience of Melanie that, you know, that unicorn who was able to be able to answer immediately. Um, and she didn't push you into a home, but she gave you enough information. So she didn't have to show you homes forever. Like that other person would have. So Right. And your podcast helped a lot too. I feel like, you know, I'm kind of a perfectionist. So I was looking for the perfect place. And I think your podcast helped me to, you know, kind of reprioritize, like, does this place check enough boxes? And if so, just get into it, you know, just, you know, get out of the apartment and get out of renting. And then you can figure it out there. And, you know, if you end up really, you know, renovating because the place is a fixer upper kind of that I've got, but it's not like a super fixer upper, like it's def it's livable and yeah. I can work on things as I'm living here and going from looking for that perfect place that didn't need anything, which doesn't exist anyway, <laughs> to getting yes. like more. Yeah more something that you can fix up it uh what's the right term for it like just changing your expectations managing expectations i guess and yeah and a, and a mindset change you know mm -hmm. i i think that you know you're being awesomely vulnerable and honest but you know because i wasn't a realtor trying to sell you an imperfect home i was just telling you hey it's life is not HGTV. You're probably going to find. So, so by, by you and I having all that time together in your headphones, mm -hmm. that helped change how you were going to go about the process. Right. That's huge. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Then I hope everybody else now listening realizes that making that mindset change like Eliza did is good is is a great way to help you move forward. I tell people all the time, you know, for, first I have to give them the HGTV talk and then they get over it because all that stuff is fake, but that's another story. But by, I've said it before on the podcast, buying a home is like a jigsaw puzzle. Your perfect home is a, is a puzzle of a home, but the one we buy is the one, they all have pieces missing. You have to mm -hmm. pick the one that has the least amount of puzzle pieces missing and is the closest to a complete picture. Because the only way you get that picture completely is if you have a bunch of cash and you pay somebody to build your home for you. That's it, mm -hmm. you know? 
Exactly. So, oh, well, this is great. So then you've been, did, how did you uh, save for your, for your closing costs? Have you been saving for a while? Did you get into a saving plan? It sounds like, cause you're meticulous and it only took you 10 weeks. You probably did all the saving stuff on your own, right? Yeah. So I was um, kind of just doing it automatically. I've, I had a huge amount of my paycheck going into my uh, retirement savings plan. Um, and I'm able to borrow against that without being uh, penalized at all. So, but I didn't want to have to do that. So I guess when I, when I started getting serious and listening to your podcast, like I totally cut back on how much I was putting away into that retirement plan and, you know, had a lot more uh, fluid money that I would be able to put up for the closing costs. Um, okay. That's gigantic. Now only you and I have talked and I haven't got back and looked this, this is just you making the purchase, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So once again, cause I keep getting questions all the day, all the time. Um, Hey, as my Beyonce style, single ladies out there, uh, single women, highest, fastest growing sector of first time home buyers. Um, we had another, uh, interview a while ago. Um, uh, boy, I wish I could remember her name. It's been a long time. Uh, but she, she's always talked about it was her milestone birthday. So all you Gen Z's out there, she was not in your generation. Uh, she wasn't turning 21. She was a little older and she said she used her 401k because at that point for her, she went, because it's a non-penalized, non-taxable event, up to 50% of most money managers do up to 50% or, or $50,000. She decided to do it. But what you brought up a really good point. If you are a stable, um, as you said, perfectionist person, um, someone who is already doing the automatic input to it, maybe you don't even have to take out of the retirement fund. Maybe you just decrease how much you're putting in for the year or two before you buy. So that, mm -hmm. so, so did, did you end up not touching it at all just because you decreased how much was going into it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Six, one and a half dozen. Yeah. The other. You know what I mean? And if you, if yeah. you found Melanie, we might've done the withdrawal right away, but instead you just did it on your own. So good for you. Yeah. And well, and help finding your podcast was helpful too, because the initial, the realtor I'd started working with last spring, she put me in contact with a, a private lender, which was super helpful. Um, so that was one of the cool things that, that she actually did for me. But then the private lender was kind of insistent that I had to put 20% down. <sighs> and I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to like tap into my uh, retirement savings. And then after listening to your podcast, I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to put down 5%, not 20%. And then I don't need to tap into that. And it worked out great. You know, it feels like every time I do one of these interviews with somebody, I just like, I'm, I'm done. I just need to take everything that you said and, and you just tell everybody I've been telling you this. Now here's a person, a single woman bought a home <laughs> by understanding, uh, and good for you. You did it because you researched, um, and you figured it out. 
And so I'm, I'm really happy for you. Um, so, okay. Any, you know, before I let you go, anything else about the, the process that you want to share or, uh, you know, what, what are your plans now? Just sit in your house forever and enjoy that you're not paying rent. <laughs> Um, I guess another thing about the process, uh, while we're on the topic of lenders, when I first, when I first started looking in 2018, you know, I, I, uh, got pre-approved with my credit union, you know, because I had been with them forever and, and people kept telling me, like giving me advice, like you probably want to go with a private lender. And I didn't understand why. And your podcast like really lays it out. And it's like, the, the credit union, they're not going to like hold your hand through the process. They're just going to, and the one I was working with too, they're super slow. So if you, if you are trying to do something quickly, uh, it's just not going to happen uh, with uh, a credit union or bank or something like that. And I just, that's something I didn't understand really until listening to your podcast. And that was really helpful. Um, a, and also, the the, go ahead, keep going. The lender that I chose, Melanie threw out like a couple different lenders to me and I called all of them and talked to them. And the one I chose was very, um, they would explain things to me without me even asking, which I feel like I needed because I didn't even know what questions to be asking. And, you know, that's not for everyone. Like if someone has a lot of experience buying and selling, or, you know, maybe their parents were in the real estate business, you, they would probably want to go with the, someone who's like not explaining everything, who's like quick and um, just getting stuff done. But it, it was nice to have a lender like sit down with me and go through all the paperwork and explain things and answer all my crazy questions. Yeah, gosh, I'm I'm a little. The listeners are gonna wonder what that pause was. That's called David not talking. I know you've never heard that before, because <laughs> uh, I was dumbfounded. Uh, because the the simplest way to say it, I guess, is that when you are looking to buy a home, uh, the first thing that your real estate person and your lender uh, or mortgage broker, hopefully. Um, is they're going to ask you a lot of questions. I can already tell you right now. I mean, you and I just talked 12 seconds before the interview. I can tell you right now, I would have asked you all these questions just as your real estate agent. And then I would have said, okay, you know what? We're going to use your research, your perfectionism, your attention to detail. Because I think because of all this stuff I know in my head, there's probably an option for you to talk about a 401k. There's probably an option for you, someone like you who can budget your stuff really well, not to worry about 20%. We can probably think about 5% and you can make sure that we can make it work for you. Um, this is going to be really good for us when we're buying a home because I'm going to give you some information about some places. Then you're going to go do more research on it on your own because you're that kind of person. You know what I mean? I would know that just after talking about 20 minutes with you. And that's what's amazing. And the, the unfortunate thing is that I love I love the heart and soul of credit unions. I love what they're supposed to be. They're awesome for helping, you know, young people uh, with whether it's a small personal loan or their first car loan. Um, but that's pretty much what they do. But it goes back to like the car dealership. You are they said we do home mortgages. So you went to them thinking, oh, they're going to do it just like everybody else. 
And the truth of the matter is I love them, but they just don't. They're, they're all slow. They're all nine to five people. You know, they don't even really, they their commissions they make for you are super, super small. Whereas a lender is a hundred percent only paid if you close on a home and they only get another Eliza. If you go, wow, this person's great. And tell your friends, the credit union person just sits there and waits for the credit union to tell them, oh, here's a new person who asked about you about, about a loan, not even about them. So understanding that difference is really important. This is exciting. Okay. Do you have any long-term plans? Everybody asked me about like, is this the forever home or do I have to make a new podcast for you? How to sell your home in five years and buy a new home? Um, yeah, I guess plans right now are just uh, fixing the place up and, um, you know, it. there's a lot of stuff that needs done and you, hopefully I'll fall in love with it more every day. But until then, <laughs> I'm constantly finding new things that... <laughs> I mean, so the place I'm living in is over 120 years old, which, you know, wow. live, living in an old city, like that's what I I wanted and was going for. So, you know, but that comes along with a, a lot of different things to manage and, and take care of. Okay. Well then <laughs> we'll leave it with two important things and shocker. They both have to do with uh, Melanie, your unicorn. If everybody doesn't know, the first year you buy a home, part of almost every transaction in the United States and Canada is a home warranty. Now, if you go online, it's going to be, it, you're going to think home warranties are the worst thing ever. Um, home warranties and HOAs, people have nothing but complaints about. And I understand that. But think of it as catastrophic insurance as opposed to just like, you know, uh, you like you have catastrophic health insurance or you have health insurance that pays for your prescription and your copay at the doctor. A home warranty is catastrophic. Like if you if, like insurance that helps you if you go to the hospital, you know, for a week because you get hit by a car. And that's important to have. For a 120 year old house, I recommend that you use Melanie two ways. Number one, call your unicorn because she's not going to ghost you. Uh, to ask questions about what do I do after the first year? Because a, a new warranty is going to be more expensive, but for your place, it might kind of be something you might want to think about. And then the second thing is all your renovations. Have you talked to her for any suggestions for handyman or plumbers or electricians or anything like that? Yeah, I've definitely reached out to her for that cool. kind of stuff. And um, uh, the way uh, everything worked out, the seller ended up, uh, paying for a one-year home warranty. Uh, Great. For me. Yeah, so that's good. Wait a minute. The seller paid for it? Uh-huh, yeah. Um, so I had I had the place inspected, and the heat wasn't uh, working. So they, it, like, it's a, a gas furnace. Uh, and, I, I mean, it's a long story, but, you know, we were back and forth with the heat. Um, and it was something that Melanie made sure was in my contract that the heat had to be working, you know, before the house was sold. And, did they fix it uh, or did they give you a credit? It, it, did so, they... 
Yeah, so the part the part that needed that they needed for the gas furnace, they ended up um they they ended up paying for the cost of the part and then I just paid cuz the part was very expensive and then I just paid the leftover amount for a new furnace rather cuz the furnace was at the end of its life anyway. So oh, oh, um, I get it. Now did now here here's what people are going to want to understand. Did that happen before you closed or did you just get all the credit and then do it after you got the keys? Um so those after I got the keys, like they were still kind of working with me, like because the before we went um, for the closing transaction, we went to the house and tried to turn the heat on because they said they had fixed it and it didn't work. This is a whole this is a whole other podcast, Eliza. I have it. Written I know. Down. <laughs> no, no, no. Seriously, like I have it written down. Uh, everybody wants to understand. So I will actually, I'm actually going to explain that podcast, but I'll, because here's the thing, when you buy a house, you buy a house, you put the deposit down, your deposit, you, you can get back, you don't lose it as long as you have an inspection period and then you do your inspection. And then after the inspection, you renegotiate. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of people think that just means that you renegotiate, that they're going to fix everything before you move in the door. And one, that's not true. Two, I tell people sometimes it's better to get a credit because they fix it. And I'm using air quotes if you're listening, fix it. And then you go to the final walkthrough and it's not what you're expecting. And then it's like a day or two before and you have to close. You actually got lucky. I've had people go to the walkthrough when the heater was fixed and then four days after they move in, oh, now it's not working. So that's why I recommend the credit so you can fix it yourself. And if they fix anything, make sure you have that home warranty. So, mm-hmm. because that's going to be part of it. So, so it sounds like to me, you took the, the, the credit and then added your own funds and just got a whole new one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you, have you been using it recently? Yeah. Yes. Christmas uh, time here was very cold. It was <laughs> unusually are, cold weather. <laughs> are your bills going crazy or is that a California thing? Is this, a, this um, a, our gas bill just elect- went up like ton last month? Our electric rate just went super high. Yeah. Like uh, after the new year. Yeah. Yeah, um, the gas bills been pretty stable though. I, that must be a California thing. I don't know what's going on. We're like, <laughs> <laughs> we went from a hundred bucks in January to five hundred bucks in February. So, oh wow. Yeah, I told my Yikes. kids. I told my kids put on a sweatshirt and blankets. Stop turning the heat <laughs> around. So, <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. I could I, again. You just you. I gotta uh, do another podcast now. Um, incredible information. I'm so glad that, uh, you know, I decided to do this crazy little project, uh, and I'm glad you found us. Thank you so much, Eliza. We appreciate it. Thank you for having the podcast and you have no idea how much it helped me. That's super nice. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I'm glad we got your unicorn. Thanks, Eliza. Thanks. That was so inspiring to hear yet another single woman who bought her first home. Now, 
That's amazing to me, but I don't say that amazes me because it's a woman who bought a home. I say that it's amazing that people still put gender assumption in their own psyche about buying a home. I'm not saying everybody feels that way, but it doesn't matter. If you're a single human out there and you're paying the average rent in an area, most of the time you're likely to be able to buy an average home in that area with just the right guidance. And there were some really great lessons in there, like including one really good, assuring piece of information on what to do if you're set to get the keys and then something they promised to fix isn't fixed at all. (laughs) We'll get to that in a sec. Before she even got to that point where she was getting her keys, after four years of getting ghosted and getting just crappy, crappy service, Eliza was confused as to why this process didn't feel empowering to her. Being the perfectionist that she is, she kept researching and thinking there has to be a better way, like a bad infomercial in the middle of the night. But eventually she found the podcast and she got the right team. She went from four years of futility to a connection with a great support team. And 10 weeks later, bam, keys. I'm not a genius. I'm just a matchmaker to those of you who want this level of customer service, the customer service level that you deserve. I was shocked when I heard that four years and 10 weeks by finding the right team to help her manage her own expectations. They ended up exceeding those expectations and getting her into a home 95% faster than anyone else that she'd ever talked to in those four years. 95%. She tried a friend's husband, a highly recommended big-time agent, and then she, of course, got big-timed and passed off to some junior, non-trained, non-specialized, first-time homebuyer agent who was clueless and then, just for good measure, ghosted her. So then she moved on and she found a mother-daughter team. Well, turned out she didn't feel like she was being helped or informed at all by either one of them. They were just opening doors and waiting to get paid waiting for her to go ahead and write an offer. In fact, she said they'd be comfy showing her houses for the rest of her life without any education at all. Eliza was just dying for some experience. She wanted to know that when she asked a question that, you know, they might have an answer. She was actually told by some of the realtors she was working with, don't worry about it. We'll get to that when we come to it. Oh, okay. I'll just sign on the dotted line for $200,000. No problem. I can't believe after all this time, I still have to say this, but experience matters. Eliza, with the help of an experienced support team, she had some great insights in that episode. Go back and listen. She talked about reducing retirement payments versus pulling from your retirement. Also, using a private lender or credit union versus creative mortgage brokers. Now, I've said this before, but credit unions and big banks, they're often very, very slow. Not to mention the fact that they have a very small amount of options for you. Yeah, loans come in options. There are multiple different kinds that you can use. And not only can they not get creative with options for you, because truly, they don't have those options, but they're not even experienced in giving you creative solutions because they don't know that those options are even out there because they never work with them daily. So that means you could be missing out on the perfect product for you because the person you're working with doesn't even know it exists. And finally, she talked about her non-repaired furnace at the end of the deal. Everybody's nightmare about buying a home. Turns out it's a money pit before you even move in. Well, you heard from Eliza, 
One of the huge advantages of using an experienced unicorn team means that these people have seen this all before. They've dealt with this several times and they have many different solutions so you don't wind up being a horror story. The bottom line is that your unicorn realtor can protect you from inspection and repair nightmare stories. So if you have questions, even if you're months and months away, start getting quality experience guidance now, today so that you can feel empowered instead of lost and confused. Definitely not ghosted. Help keep the revolution going by rating and reviewing the podcast. And if you want some help, go to www.howtobuyahome.com. There's a button on there. Click Ask David. Ask your question. You deserve the quality service that's going to empower you and work 95% faster than non-unicorn newbie agents. Make the match today. You can do this.